Now I'm going to be reading this morning from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, on verse, uh, sorry, chapter 8, beginning at verse 7. And it's on page 1098 of the Blue Bibles. Paul writes, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too, did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticisms of the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of others. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honour to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jill. That was uh, wonderfully read. Thank you. So 1098, if you want to follow in your Bibles the second letter of Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to give a bit of background to the reading to start with. We heard a couple of weeks ago about the difficulty that Paul was having and how people were not accepting 
his teaching in the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth was well-renowned for its charismatic activity and its moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where it wasn't very rooted and grounded, was in how to live that out and how to discern, really, what was the right way forward in terms of teaching. And Paul is uh, reflecting on this and knowing that the church in Corinth has repented of its behavior and accepted, in truth now, Paul's testimony, he is looking for them to move out of that place which he applauds them for, of deeper repentance, and to move then into living it out, living out the truth of that repentance and that acceptance and the gospel. So Paul in chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians is providing the church with a philosophy of giving. He wants to encourage the Corinthians to now respond with giving. Generous giving. So out of their repentance, he wants a better response to the one that was given when the church at Antioch was suffering famine. Now he's appealing to the Corinth church to support the poor in Jerusalem. He cites the fine example given by the churches in Macedonia. He says that their generosity demonstrated the grace of God. That the church itself in Macedonia was suffering extreme poverty and affliction, yet it gave. The Corinthians were not experiencing the plight of poverty or affliction and difficulty in the way that the church at Macedonia had been. But the church of Macedonia gave of its own free will and they even begged Paul to let them send aid. And I think even Paul was surprised by their fervor. The explanation that they had given themselves freely to the Lord they put themselves entirely at Christ's disposal in this matter and they understood themselves to be in the will of God. Isn't that a good place to be, to be in the will of God? I know all the time I was is, you know, a vicar up in Buckinghamshire that there were times when I went, oh, for goodness sake, this can't be right, this cannot be where I'm meant to be, knowing yourself to be in the will of God and kind of accepting that place in the will of God. If I'd done more of that, I think I would have been more on target a lot of the time. The difficulties sometimes do get to us. But being in the will of God, and I always was, is a good thing to know. It's just you have to practice being in it when times get difficult. Such spontaneity, such thoroughness, Christian spirit and confidence in Paul were all the lessons that the Corinthians could learn from. So, will the Corinthians reveal the working of God's grace in their liberality? Well, let's have a look. I'm going to mention this phrase a lot uh, over the next few minutes. Excelling in the grace of giving. And today I'm going to begin with a story in a lesson in Providence from the Celtic Daily Devotional, which is something that Norman and I do every day. 
beginning with a scripture from Genesis 22:14, which talks about Abraham naming a place. He named that place, the Lord provides. And even today, people say, on the Lord's mountain, the Lord provides. Now, one of my favorite saints uh, is Saint Cuthbert. And he was traveling south along the river Teviot, teaching and baptizing the country folk in the hill areas. He had a boy with him whom he sought to train in an understanding of God's providence. Do you think anyone has prepared your midday meal today? He asked the boy. The boy said he knew of no friends or relatives on their route and didn't expect provision from anyone. Don't worry. But seek first the kingdom of God, and the Lord will provide for all of your needs, Cuthbert told him. I have been young, now I am old, but I have never seen God forsake those who do what is right. Sometime later, Cuthbert saw an eagle in the sky and said, This is the eagle which the Lord has instructed to provide us with food today. And shortly, the eagle settled on the riverbank. And at Cuthbert's bidding, the boy walked over to it and took away a large fish which the eagle had bought. Cuthbert said, why didn't you leave half of this for our fishermen? That's the eagle. To eat. The boy returned half the fish to the eagle. They broiled their half of the fish in the company of some men who had a fire going and shared their fish with them too. They thanked the Lord and they worshipped him and they went on their way to the hill people. Now we can learn lessons from this incident. We can learn to expect God to meet us in our daily needs. We can expect God to share, and wants us to share what we have and to share our experience of life with people whose company or facilities we need. In short, to let God into our everyday affairs. Where God guides, God provides. That's Frank Buckman. Where God guides, God provides. Give us this day our daily bread. Excelling in the grace of giving. Acts 20.35 says, There's more happiness in giving than in receiving. And Bede talks about this uh, and records something about St. Aidan, who is my top favorite saint. His mission methods were awesome. And um, I think that there is much we can learn from the Celtic missionaries of years ago, because we're in a very similar culture and climate today. Aidan neither sought nor cared for this world's possessions, and he loved to give away to poor people whom he met all the gifts received from kings and rich people of the world. Completely inspiring and selfless. And, you know, he was was a guy who... At Lindisfarne, you've got this amazing statue with him with this huge torch. 
And although Cuthbert was known as the fire of the north, this is Aidan, the forerunner of Cuthbert. And he lit fires of mission and fires of conversion right across really war-torn areas in Northumbria. Astonishing. Columbanus is recorded to say, never be greedy, always be generous, if not in money, then in spirit. Excelling in the grace of giving. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China last century, and he's an example of someone who excelled in the grace of giving. He never told anyone on earth what his financial and physical needs were. Instead, he said this, move men by God through prayer alone. And this is a wonderful place to live. It's living by faith, not advertising our need, but bringing ours or someone else's to God will quickly show us that God is alive to us and hears us. And this really is a faith builder. It builds our faith. There's also a dangerous side to this, and God may well ask you to be the provider for the person in need that you've brought before the Lord in prayer. It quite often works out that way. But don't let that frighten you. Just see it as God's call and his will. Now, in mission terms, when serving with the London City Mission in Fulham, I was also an intercessor for Great Britain. And I prayed much, uh, both through Lydia Foundation and also intercessors for Great Britain for the Muslim world. Guess what? God sent me with a message of the gospel to serve in the Muslim world. And he answers our prayers when we ask and listens to his response to them. Listening to his response means that then we give of ourselves for others and it's also excelling in the grace of giving. So let's have Hudson Taylor say the final word on this. God's work done in God's way will not lack supplies. God meets our needs. He enables us to meet the needs of others. Another good testimony from my personal storehouse is this one. Norman and I were called to be missionaries we were told to go to All Nations Christian College and get training in missiological and cultural studies that we would need to serve him wherever he'd sent us. The cost of giving up home and paying college fees was needed and we prayed. All Nations had a policy at that time which said if your local authority provides the fees, then we know it is the Lord's will. We would be mature students, being 33 years old at the time, and Bexley Council received our application. It would need a miracle for Christian College students to get a grant through Bexley Council. We saw that as a Goliath prayer, and we were led in prayer to aim a stone from David's sling right into the heart of the council meeting. We received our grant and added to that was a mature student's allowance and we were able to share our riches with other students from poorer lands by the way that God provided for us. Praise him. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful time. Baskets of love be mine to give. 
with cups of mercy for all the company. Maximus the Confessor, who lived in 580 onwards, said this, There are three causes for the inordinate love of money. Desire for pleasure, vainglory, and lack of trust. And the last is stronger than the other two. And there's a prayer in the Anglican Church which is used when the offerings are presented at the time of worship before communion. All things come from you, O Lord, and of your own do we give you. God is our provider. He is the source of all that we have. Everything is his. It is his. He provides for our needs and our usage of these things. However, the call to be a person who excels in giving is twofold. In our reading today, we've seen that the people are exhorted to love and grace. Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians. He also exhorts the people to be courageous, commending them for not just having an eagerness to give, but also for having a desire to give. Verses 10 and 11. Verse 12 concludes with this, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. That's really important to remember, to keep the balance there. God loves a cheerful giver excelling in the grace of giving. The desire that Paul has and writes about in his letter, in this letter, is that there is equality. His desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there may be equality. We are all one in Christ Jesus, and if one part of the body of Christ is suffering, Many churches in the two-thirds world are suffering and need physical as well as financial help. If one suffers, then we all suffer. But giving in excellence will also mean that the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one that gathered little did not have too little. This actually refers to the provision of God for the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness and he provided heavenly manna, bread, for them. And they were to gather this daily to eat, and God provided for their families in this way. However, if they gathered too much, this provision rotted, and they would not hold over to the next day. Each day, they gathered the manna. Each day was an act of living by faith. Trust, again, is the key to living in the kingdom of God. Titus took the collection from the church in Corinth and he was a trustworthy man. And Paul gave a wonderful testimony about him here uh, in this chapter and he gave it to the church. Now when we give, we must also be sure of the character of the community or the person that we give to. He was chosen as trustworthy to carry the offering and to administer it to the churches in need. The Macedonian church received what it needed from the community who were excelling in the grace of giving. 
And it calls the Macedonian church to know grace from God, to overflow with joy in the midst of very severe trial, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Excelling in the grace of giving has a knock-on effect. It builds up faith and trust. It proves rather like the saints I've already mentioned today, that God is indeed our great provider and that he provides all of our needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. Being one with the whole community of Christ throughout the world brings us a need for trust and responsible action. We are one in the spirit, not detached from the body of Christ. So whether it be giving with excellence here at SCC or in our community relationships here in Whitstable or in our nation or being called to give and maybe serve our greater fellowship with the saints throughout the whole world, then let us move according to God's plan for each one of us. And I exhort us to continue, but to offer ourselves more and more as living sacrifices on the altar of God, trusting him, making sure that our giving is to trustworthy people and causes. May God bless our endeavours for him. Samuel Rutherford has the last word. He says this, There is much in the Lord's pantry as will satisfy all of his children and as much wine in his cellar as will quench all of their thirst. Shall we pray? I would prepare a feast and be host to the great high king with all the company of heaven. The sustenance of pure love be in my house the roots of repentance in my house. Baskets of love be mine to give, with cups of mercy for all the company. Sweet Jesus, be there with us, with all the company of heaven. May cheerfulness abound in the feast, the feast of the great High King, my host for all eternity. Amen.